This week on the Docs to Dads podcast, I am sharing some of the highlights from the books I read during 2022. One of my goals for 2022 was to read books on my Kindle, and I was able to save some little nuggets of wisdom that I took from each book that affect my parenting, my professional life, or my personal growth. And I'm going to share some of my favorites today on the Docs to Dads podcast. Hello and welcome to the Docs to Dads podcast, a health and wellness resource for any dad looking to actively engage with their health, the health of their children, and building a stronger, healthier community around their family. Each week, Dr. Scott, a board-certified pediatrician, will explore topics relevant to child health and how dads can be an active participant in their growth, development, and other issues that affect children and the whole family. Welcome back to the Docs to Dads podcast. I am so happy to be back with you this week. I hope that you all had a very wonderful holiday season. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrated. A Happy New Year to everyone as we jump into 2023. I'm very excited to start off another year of the Docs to Dads podcast with you uh, and look forward to a lot of the really exciting ways that we are looking to serve you and your family more and better in the coming year. This week, I want to share part one of my lessons from 2022 that I am going to be carrying into 2023 with me. Last year, I set out to read more books, and I was successful in doing this primarily because I got a Kindle, and I sort of finally embraced the technology of reading on a Kindle, and it was it was great. I, I really enjoyed that once I, I finally embraced it. I got one for Christmas last year and sort of ran with that. And one of my favorite features of reading on the Kindle is the ability to take highlights of the key passages that you read and you can save them later to review. You know, in the past, even if I took a note in a book or highlighted a passage or something in a physical book, I then have to like go back and find that book and open it and look for my highlights. And the nice thing about the Kindle is you can highlight it and then it can all get sort of put together in one space where you can organize it. And so I've been using this app called Readwise to organize and review my highlighted passages from all the books that I've read over the course of the year. And you can use that same Readwise app to save uh, things off Twitter and clips from podcasts and all kinds of other kind of cool things. You can highlight passages and magazine articles or online blog articles, those kinds of things. And, and then it all gets kind of put in one place for you to sort of review and organize. And I've been using that to organize some of the episodes of the show uh, or organize sort of future discussions I want to have around different topics and sort of saving different types of articles that I can reference in those uh, future talks in this way. And so that's been really helpful to me to be able to go back and re-review some of these highlighted passages from uh, different books that I read over the course of this year. And so to kick off 2023, I decided to pick out my favorite, you know, seven quotes from books that meant something to me in some way. They stuck out to me in the moment. And as I've been reviewing these highlighted texts, they sort of stuck out to me and they, I kind of kept coming back to them and kept going back and looking for them uh, because they 
meant something to me. They reminded me of something important that I wanted to kind of stay front of mind. And so I'm going to talk about these over the course of the next two episodes. So today I'm going to talk about the ones that have affected my perspective on parenting specifically. And then next week, I'm going to share a couple that are more helping me with like my personal growth uh, and development as, as a husband and as a professional, but it's a parenting podcast. So first, first and foremost, we're going to start there and we're going to start with uh, some of these quotes from books that, that stuck out to me that I've been sort of keeping front of mind in my uh, parenting life. And so uh, I want to jump right into that. The first excerpt that I want to read comes from actually the only book on the list that's claims to be about parenting, and that's from uh, Michaeline Duclef's book, Hunt, Gather, Parent. This is a book where uh, Ms. Duclef travels with her daughter to remote parts of the world to learn about parenting from tribal and indigenous cultures that have sort of maintained their ancient parenting traditions. And so one of the tips that Ms. Duclef takes from her journeys to visit these ancient cultures, as she calls them, uh, is the following. She writes, Remind yourself that children don't have the emotional skills that we adults do. We need to show them how calmness works over and over again before we can expect them to master the concept. And this is just a good reminder of sort of our role as parents in the emotional development of our children. And in the book, she shares her experiences getting advice from her pediatrician about how to manage her daughter's tantrums. And she was given the very common, but not always age and developmentally appropriate advice to simply ignore her daughter's tantrums and they'll go away. And while there are certain situations where we do recommend ignoring problematic behaviors as a means for dis- as a means of discouraging those behaviors, this should definitely not be our response to all problematic behavior in all situations. Because she was discouraged by that, she went in search of other possible um, solutions to that problem and and sort of came to this recognition that like ignoring them doesn't actually help most of the time. What we actually need to do is demonstrate the emotional skill that we're trying to get our child to learn. In these situations, I actually try to encourage parents instead to adopt this mental model of get curious, not furious. And this is the type of emotional skills that our children need our help to develop over time. So they're not going to get it right the first time. They're not going to get it right every time. Right. And my overall experience as a pediatrician tells me that parents on average, and I include myself in this, we tend to underestimate what our children should be able to do physically and intellectually. And we think we need to slow, slow them down in some of those situations, but we overestimate what they should be able to do emotionally and socially. For example, when our kids are starting to learn how to walk, right? We don't like freak out every time our kid falls over when they're trying to walk and like, how come you can't get this right? Come on. We talked about this yesterday and you took three steps yesterday. How come you can't take four steps today? Right? We don't do that. Like that's just not the way that we think about teaching them the skill of walking or teaching them the skill of counting, right? Same thing you know, we don't like freak out over these things, but because there's emotion involved and because there are in some cases like societal expectations of the way that our kids should behave, it changes the way that we think about how our kids should act. And so we're more likely to get frustrated in those moments of, you know, how come you can't just keep it together? How come you can't 
stay calm? How come you can't just communicate what your needs are in a calm way? And, and we have to go to the whining and the screaming and all these kinds of things. And it gets emotionally draining sometimes. But if we can use this get curious, not curious mental model, I think that really helps because getting curious allows us to try to understand what our child's perceived unmet needs are in that moment that they're trying to get addressed and helps us to notice when there is some kind of connection or intervention that's necessary to stop the problematic behavior. And in those cases, ignoring the problem won't make it go away because the problem is going to stick around. Like their perception that there's a problem of some kind is still there. And until that perception goes away, they're meeting that need in the only way they know how. And then the second part, avoiding getting furious, on the other hand, will help show children that even in high stress situations where they have this need that needs to be met or that they think needs to be met and it's not being met, we are capable as humans of keeping our emotions under control and making good choices and communicating effectively and calmly. But we have to demonstrate those skills for them before they'll be able to do that consistently. Now, overall, this book, it has a lot of good wisdom to share about raising kids from these various cultures that have been raising kids for a very long time. Um, and so I think, especially if you think this premise is interesting about like how do cultures that have not necessarily adopted the modern technological advances and all these kinds of things, how do they raise their kids in, in 2022 um, or, or whenever this book was written in the last few years? Um, I think it's it's an interesting sort of anthropological exercise. Uh, but for me, it sort of fell short when it came to like taking that wisdom and providing like, practical tips for applying that wisdom for families who are actually living in the modern culture. And so, and I'd say, especially if you're a parent who has more than one child, um, which the author of this book only had one kid while she was writing the book. And so she writes primarily from that perspective. And so there's a lot of things that as we all know, if we have more than one kid, like work effectively when you have one kid, but becomes more challenging when you have more than one. Uh, and then also if you're a family who doesn't have like a built-in network of alternative carers for your children, uh, which is a big part of a way that a lot of these cultures raise their children, um, it can get a little impractical for a while. So overall, it was an interesting book. I enjoyed it in kind of a nerdy parenting way, but in terms of like getting practical tips that were actionable. I fell a little bit short for me in, in that way, but it's a good book that, that I would recommend. Our next excerpt is going to take one step further down this same road. So we actually cannot execute on the advice from Hunt Gather Parent, which is to demonstrate those emotional skills consistently over time if we do not first have those skills ourselves. And that's why uh, ever since I read the business book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and Tal Raz, there's this quote from the book that just has been on replay in my brain. And I've listened to it over and over again um, in my mind. I've read this quote. I've got it saved on my phone. And I go back and read it all the time. Uh, Mr. Voss explains that in the middle of like high stakes hostage or business negotiation, the key always is to keep your own head to give yourself a shot at the best possible outcome. And so he writes, if you can't control your own emotions, how can you expect to influence the emotions of your counterpart, right? And so if you're in a negotiation with somebody, you know, two adults trying to come to a mutual agreement about kind of what the best outcome is or, or to win that negotiation, even 
If you can't keep your own emotions under control, you're not going to be able to exert any kind of influence over the emotions of your counterpart. And we know that the emotional decision-making that goes into uh, a lot of these negotiations is vital. And so the natural corollary to that point is actually that if we're not able to control our own emotions, then we're going to leave ourselves open to having our emotions influenced by those around us intentionally or unintentionally, right? And so in the season of life that I'm in, it happens more unintentionally. My kids are still learning these emotional skills. uh, And so they don't know how to do them. And so it's up to me to sort of set that standard for how we're going to respond in these stressful situations. And if I'm unable to keep control of my emotions, then I'm going to be influenced. My emotions are going to be influenced by my son if he starts whining or my daughter when she throws a tantrum or whatever the case may be, right? And it's not fair to expect them to keep themselves under control if I can't do it myself. So it falls on me as the parent in that situation, as the adult in that situation, to set the expectation, help them learn those skills primarily by demonstrating them. They generally are not trying to make me frustrated or trying to make me impatient as like that's the point of their behavior. They have a perceived unmet need, like we were talking about a minute ago, that I need to either meet if it is in fact a valid need that is unmet, or I need to redirect them if their perceived unmet need is, you know, the third cookie that I already told them they couldn't have, right? Something like that. So teaching our kids these emotional skills uh, is really important to their long-term success as they move into uh, school and work life and as they, as they grow older. And so this is going to be a theme that I try to pull out um, both in my own parenting journey of this year as my, uh, my oldest is starting school proper in the coming year. Um, and I'm hoping to dedicate several episodes of the podcast to this idea this year as I sort of research a little bit more about it and, and develop a few more tips and tricks from those around me. I'll probably do that both through interviews as well as through solo episodes like this one. Shifting gears a little bit, the next parenting tidbit that I wanted to share came from a little bit of an unexpected place. Uh, when I started reading Think Again by Adam Grant, I was trying to learn how to be a lifelong learner in the context of my professional role as a pediatrician or as a business operator uh, doing the podcast and trying to develop some other products within the Docs to Dads uh, ecosystem. And so rethinking my pre-existing assumptions about how medical care should be delivered or how we support and educate parents to make sure that they have all the information that they need to successfully raise their children is something that I was sort of actively working on and thinking about. But then I read this quote that I found absolutely fascinating. Uh, Adam Grant writes, yet research shows that how often parents argue has no bearing on their children's academic, social, or emotional development. What matters is how respectfully parents argue, not how frequently. Now, I'm sure that Adam Grant doesn't mean to imply here that parents should just fight all the time about everything as long as they keep it uh, respectful. You can just argue all day about, about anything that comes up. But this sort of spoke into an insecurity that I have carried throughout my life, and, and then especially as I've moved into uh, married life as it pertains to disagreements that I have with my wife. Historically, uh, when, when my wife and I have had some kind of disagreement about how to handle a certain problem that has come up, something like that, especially if we're doing it in front of the kids, 
my primary goal in those situations, usually not to get to the best possible solution to the problem that we're talking about. Um, whether that's right or wrong, that has not historically been my goal. My goal has been to get to any acceptable solution as quickly as possible. So as not to have to prolong that discussion, prolong that disagreement. Now, I'm not sure if my wife will necessarily agree that this is a good thing, but as I move into 2023, I want to take that mindset with me um, to try to be more mindful about being sure in those moments to share my perspective effectively so that we can come to a shared vision of what the problem is and kind of our each of our best ideas for how to address the problem so that we can come to the best solution for our family rather than simply looking to sort of in the discussion as quickly as possible. This book shared uh, the perspective that there's more value for my kids in showing them how to have a fruitful disagreement and that my wife and I can have different opinions about how to move forward. We can share those opinions respectfully and then we can come to some kind of agreement about how best to move forward. That's actually more meaningful and helps children more than aiming to have them live in harmony every minute of the day, even if that's not necessarily a reflection of the truth of what's going on in the house. I don't think that like our situation has ever been sort of like fake harmony necessarily. Um, but I do think that I'm somebody who's sort of a little more agreeable. I don't always like confrontation. So I'm somebody who tends to just try to like get through those confrontations as quickly as possible when they do come up. And so just trying to uh, be mindful of the way that we have those discussions, uh, but also be mindful that, that there's value in having those conversations and in showing our kids how to respectfully disagree with one another um, will help them in their long-term relationships with their friends, with future partners, with all kinds of different uh, work work relationships down the road. Um, and so that's something that I've been thinking about a lot since I read that book. And then the final quote that I want to share on this episode comes from a book that was actually the inspiration for several of the episodes that I've done of the podcast over the last couple of months, um, as well as a couple of the bonus article content that I've written in my almost weekly newsletter. Uh, you can get the almost weekly newsletter uh, by going to docstodads.com slash newsletter and signing up there. Um, I send out a newsletter almost every week. Uh, with a little bit of information about the podcast episode for that week, um, the things that I'm working on, uh, and then some amount of bonus content around uh, a parenting issue that's come up, a question that's come from one of the newsletter subscribers, uh, or something like that. Since it was the inspiration for so much of my work over the last uh, six weeks or so, I thought it would be worthwhile to give this book its proper due uh, in an episode. And and that book is The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, which was recommended to me by my uncle, a former Marine who has recently transitioned to civilian business life uh, and shares some good recommendations with me periodically. So a uh, shout out to my Uncle Michael for this awesome book recommendation. I really, really enjoyed this book. It's probably one of my favorite books that I read um, this year without giving it too much thought. I would say, yeah, it's definitely one of the, one of the top three books I read uh, this year in terms of changing the way that I thought about parenting and, and the business and, and all kinds of things. So I definitely recommend this book. The primary theme of this book is that sometimes in business and in life, uh, we do ourselves a disservice if we keep our time horizon too short 
and we are looking at metrics and measuring metrics that are too short term rather than looking to keep playing the infinite game, which means that we want it to to just keep playing the game. The the game itself is is where we um, derive the value and that we're not trying to be the best at any one period of time, but that we just want to keep putting out the best quality content that we can, the best quality uh, service or product that we can. And that's the way that businesses should idea, identify the infinite game. And so Simon Sinek in this book advocates for developing a just cause for your company. And so he defines a just cause as a specific vision of a future state that does not yet exist, that is so appealing that people are willing to make sacrifices in order to help advance toward that vision. And so what he says is that once you've developed this idea of the just cause, you should write it down because what he says is a written cause works like a compass. And with a compass in hand, each succession of leaders, their gaze looking beyond the horizon, can more easily navigate the technologies, politics, and cultural norms of the day without the founder present. And so this was the framework uh, that those of you who have been listening for a while might recognize uh, that I used to kind of talk about the episodes at the end of 2022 about parenting styles and core values and identifying what are the core values uh, within our family. And I think that the way this applies to parenting is that when we're interacting day to day with our children, we can sometimes get lost in the weeds of trying to control their behavior and getting them to behave a, a certain way and stop the temper tantrums and uh, you know go clean up the toys in the back and all those kinds of things, right? But if we can zoom out a little bit and determine who are we trying to help our children become, what is the future state that does not yet exist that we're trying to help build for them, for them to grow into, that can give us that same compass, a way that we can see whether the activities that we want to do as a family, the goals that we're aiming for, are they consistent with those core values? Are they consistent with the direction that we're trying to go? And if they are consistent, then we pursue them. They're worth pursuing. But if they are not serving those goals and helping your children grow in some meaningful way, even if they're neutral, they don't have to be sort of against those goals. But if they're not working toward helping you achieve that broader goal, then it might be worth skipping that. You certainly shouldn't feel any obligation to do it. And then the goal, of course, is to teach these core values and to teach your kid about this compass so effectively that your children will grow into adults who can, as Simon Sinek says, easily navigate the technology and the politics and, and the cultural challenges that are going to pop up in their lives even after the founders of the family, that is you and your wife, are not present anymore to show them that best path forward. So you've taught them, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is where we're trying to go. And hopefully they adopt most of those core values, right? At some point in the future, they're going to have their own family and they're going to have to blend their, their core values with, with their partner's core values and trying to figure out like, how do they build their family forward from there? But hopefully you're teaching them enough to be able to show them that path forward so that they can keep their gaze beyond the horizon and pass those core values on to their children. And I think that's where this idea of legacy um, can come in. 
but it all starts with not getting so in the weeds about ignoring a tantrum or trying to get kids to say please and thank you every minute of every day, right? These are all important things. They're things that we should be shooting for, uh, but they're not important because right in that moment they need to happen. They're important in the context of what are we trying to teach our kids and where are we trying to get them to go? Uh, that's one of the, the other sort of new paradigms uh, that I've come to after reading The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. So those are the four excerpts from books that I read this year that sort of have left the most impression on me and my sort of approach to parenting and the way that I build out mental models for uh, my day-to-day parenting life. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about these um, excerpts. If you've read these books, I'd love to hear your thoughts, either the way they ap- apply to parenting or the way that they apply to uh, business or other, other uh, endeavors that you're pursuing. If you have another book that you read that left an impression on you that kind of made a big impact on you and your parenting, I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to try to continue to read books and probably do an episode similar to this um, every year, if not more frequently. Um, so if you have ideas, I'd love to hear those. I'd love to connect with you if you're looking to up your game as a dad in this new year. Tell me how I can serve you, what kind of topics and issues are coming up uh, in your journey as a dad that I can talk about and, and either find some a guest who can speak some wisdom into that or share my own experiences as a pediatrician and a dad of three myself. You can find links to all my social media uh, or send me an email through our website at docstodads.com. I'd love to hear from you. Special thanks, as always, to Phil Rabon, who is the editor and producer of this show. I literally could not do this without him. That is not an exaggeration. Tune in next week. I'm going to be sharing part two of my uh, favorite lessons from the books I read in 2022. Those will be a little bit more focused on my own like personal growth and development, uh, the growth of the business, those kinds of things. Uh, so I'm going to share a little bit about that next week. Until then, remember that what you do as a dad matters. Keep building healthier dads happier kids, and stronger communities. Thank you so much. The information included in this podcast and other Docs to Dads platforms is intended for your education and entertainment only. It is not intended as medical advice and should not replace a relationship with a primary care pediatrician or other provider who will give the most appropriate recommendations for your individual situation.